Welcome sports fans to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JT and the Don at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to the next episode of JT and the Don. I am the Don, Donato Bucci. And please remember to subscribe to JT and the Don, all sports podcasts. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you find all of your other favorite podcasts. And please remember to leave us a five-star review. We hope you and your loved ones had a wonderful and safe Thanksgiving. Uh, JT and myself are ready to get back at this. So let me welcome in everyone's favorite JT, Jimmy Thompson. How you feeling today? Doing good. It's crazy that we're almost, we're basically at the end of the year. The football season's gone by so fast and NBA is about to start. Crazy year, but good time for sports. Yes, sir. And it's only ramping up now with NFL playoffs about to happen. Hopefully the college football playoffs and some bowl games. College basketball now is getting in full swing. And soon enough in late December, the NBA. But before we get to the NBA JT, what are we starting with? We're starting with somebody who's clearly not having a good time, and that's Carson Wentz. Man, I know, I know you watched this game on Monday night because we both talked about it. But the Eagles, of course, lost again this past uh, Sunday night at home to the Seattle Seahawks, twenty-three to seventeen. Actually, it wasn't even really that close. <laughs> uh, it dropped the Eagles to three seven and one on the season, and out of first place by half a game to each the Giants and the Washington Football Team. Wentz is once again under criticism for his poor play throughout the year. So, Don, I just want to ask you, what do you think has gone wrong this year for Wentz and the Eagles? Man, I I don't know. And I don't think Doug Peterson knows either. But, (laughs) JT, you don't pay me to not have an opinion. So this is Urban knows. (laughs) Yeah, apparently he does. But you don't pay me not to have – an opinion. So this is my opinion. On well, I don't pay you, period. So, <laughs> Oh, wow. I got to fix that. Anyway, the offensive line goes back to the offensive line. Uh, I think it definitely starts there. Now, to be fair, they've had a lot of injuries, and I think that's why they're in the situation that they are. Think about this. Last year, Wentz was sacked a career high for him 37 times. So far through 11 games, 45. So he's already been sacked eight more times than last year, which was already his career high. So So surprised he stayed healthy. (laughs) Yeah, right? Especially for how he had been injury prone the the couple years prior. Now, he's thrown 14 interceptions. Only five of those have been under pressure. So nine have been with what's been called a clean pocket based on what I've found out. But I think it's the effect of all the other sacks all the other hits, all the other pressures that he's faced where even when he's had a clean pocket, mentally, he doesn't feel it. And so I you think, think you're thinking he's like he's punch drunk, basically. Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah, a little bit of that uh, of that effect. Is he and, seeing ghosts? Like uh, Sam I, w- I won't go that far. <laughs> I won't go that far. Well, he, no. he was seeing ghosts against Seattle at some times. Uh, at times, at times. And I'm sure he has throughout the games, but I, I don't think it's so much that. Ex- besides what's going on around him 
And they, again, going back to the offensive line, no true consistent run game. The defense not as good as what everyone's expecting. That puts additional pressure on the offense, especially wins. And I've told you this before, I'm not a fan of the play calling. It would be third and nine, third and ten, and they're running like two-yard out routes that are not designed to get those yak yards, right, the yards after catch. So why that design of a play, I don't know. Um, so that, that's my thinking on it. I don't know how you feel. Well, I mean, they got to do something because they clearly can't run the ball. But I agree with you. I mean, the, the low-hanging fruit of that question is the injuries. I mean, the line is just banged up. Uh, they lost Brandon Brooks before the season. Lane Johnson's been hurt all year. He's basically, I think he's out for the year now. And Jason Peters is literally on his last leg. So, you know, couple that with, you know, receivers are injured. Miles Sanders has missed time. It's basically the same thing Wentz went through last year where it was – he had he didn't have a single receiver that had 500 yards in the entire season, and they still made the playoffs. But I mean, you can't expect him to go through that two years in a row and actually look like a good starting quarterback. But on top of the injuries, I'm gonna go with the lack of weapons because at the end of the day, they still don't have really good weapons around him. I mean, look who they have: Alshon Jeffrey is old. Uh, the rookie Jalen Rieger, he has not developed like they thought that he would. Uh, Ertz has been out. Goddard's been out. Miles Sanders has not been the guy that people think he he is. He looks like a, just like an average player. So you just look at the guys around him, not really that talented, especially when you're thinking about the offenses you got to keep up with in the NFC. And I think what went wrong, too, is just this is the culmination of bad drafts from Howie Roseman. And speaking of weapons, just look at the past two drafts, the big mistakes that Roseman has made at the top. One this year, the guy you love, Justin Jefferson, who was killing it in Minnesota, they passed on him to get Jalen Rieger, which looks like a all-time mistake. But then you go back to last year, and they made an even bigger mistake. They passed on DK Metcalf to take J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who I don't even know if he's played this year, and he's a second-round pick. So just those two misses alone is enough to set the Eagles back long-term. And then you just look at, he's been the GM since 2010. Just look at some of their bad first-round picks. Danny Watkins, Marcus Smith, Nelson Aguilar, and Derek Barnett. Most people don't even know who those guys are. So you put all that together, I think that's why they're struggling. To be, to be fair now, we are playing Monday morning quarterback, especially on that issue, because I'm pretty sure you drafted Jalen Rieger in a lot of your fantasy drafts thinking he was going to have a good year. So, Well, I drafted him because I thought he would have the opportunity. I didn't know if he was going to be really that good, but, I mean, they obviously thought he was going to be the guy. They thought he was going to be Deshaun Jackson. He is not. Right. No, listen, real NFL GM compared to fantasy. You can't – you can afford to miss in fantasy. You can't afford to miss in real life in, in the NFL. All right, cool. So let's just ask the question everybody wants to know. Wentz, are the should the Eagles move on from him after this year? And do you think it will happen? They should not move on from him. Listen, if it, I'm, I'm of the opinion if Wentz was in the Steelers system, quick passes like Ben's getting the ball off and like or less talent. than it, and talent. Well, going back first to the system, getting the ball off in less than 2.5 seconds. Then, like you said, the talent, the commitment to a running game. I still think Wentz is a franchise QB. And listen, franchise quarterbacks go through struggles sometimes. Plus, he's still a mobile quarterback that can make plays with his legs and on the run. And 
I think in a couple years, even two years down the line, his contract's going to be more of a team-friendly deal than we realize based on what Deshaun Watson's going to get in his extension and based on what Mahomes is going to get in his extension. In and, all 500 of his mechanisms. <laughs> and maybe, you know, Dak Prescott. So, I mean, why, why should they move on? And then the thing is, I don't think they will because rumors are Peterson and other staffers were not thrilled about the Jalen Hurts pick in the second round. So I think Peterson's going to give Carson Wentz every chance because I feel like Peterson sees Wentz as his guy right now, and he's going to – it's kind of do or die with Wentz. If, if Wentz can do it, Peterson's safe. If he can't, he may be on, on a short leash already, even just a couple years removed from the Super Bowl. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, franchise quarterbacks don't grow on trees, and they clearly have one because he's shown you his ceiling – it's just the situation around him is not ideal. They will be regretted if they decide to move on from him and just rolled with Jalen Hurts because I don't think he's the answer either. And it goes back to what I was talking about, good point, that I didn't know Doug Peterson wasn't all in on drafting Hurts. But, yeah, I don't know. Do you think Hurts being there is attributing to some of his bad play too, knowing that there's this high draft, draft pick, that quarterback right behind him, and they're having a bad season, and he's just trying to, you know, make as many big plays as possible? Well, I'm sure that that is, um, you know, part of it because you've got to feel a little bit of that of that pressure. Now, those rumors just came out this week and it was actually addressed in a press conference, too, where someone asked Peterson that and he basically said, yeah, he was on board. But it, it was a real awkward exchange where he's like, where's this coming from? So. Kind of like it was, a who you've been talking to. Moment. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, how'd that get out? But no, no, uh, of course not. So, but yeah, you bring up a great point. He, Wentz probably feels like he has to do more than he needs to do because Hurts and he's a second round draft pick. Great point. Yep. Well, let's stick with quarterbacks and the NFL, JT. A bizarre situation uh, this past weekend with the Denver Broncos uh, team and quarterbacks. By now, I'm sure all the NFL fans are aware of the Broncos situation, like I said, with their quarterbacks. Backup QB of the Broncos, Jeff Driscoll, tested positive for COVID-19 on Thanksgiving Day. Then the NFL deemed the team's other three quarterbacks on the roster ineligible due to contact tracing, leaving the team with no QBs on its roster. Thus, they were forced to turn the practice squad receiver former college quarterback Kendall Hinton for the for the start at quarterback against the Saints the Broncos go on to lose JT 31 to 3 should the NFL allow that game to have been played considering the circumstances with the quarterbacks of the Broncos I think did Hinton complete just one pass in that game you know, I didn't even check his stats I think, when I, I think he did it was like one pass for 13 yards or something like that shout out to him man cuz just saying like, hey, you know, go out there, play quarterback against the Saints. It's a pretty damn good defense. And I don't know, the Broncos are pretty desperate, man. I heard uh, they tried to get um, a former a former quarterback to play that was on the staff. And I saw that they just signed uh, Pat Shermer's son to the, uh, to the practice squad. Let me ask you a question before I answer this. So let's say you're in that situation, like you're, you're a part of the staff or you're Kendall Hinton you haven't played quarterback at all and they come to you and ask you to do it. Like, are you happy about that, that you have to play quarterback now? Or are you just like, oh, I'm not too happy to jump in there. If I'm Kendall Hinton, 
Yeah. Oh, I, absolutely. I'm jumping at the opportunity because he has nothing to lose here. Like you were just saying, like, are we shocked he only had to complete one pass? Like, no. And that's no nothing against him. It's so difficult to play QB to begin with in the NFL. Now you want to throw a guy that hasn't played in years because he converted halfway through college to receiver. So he had nothing to lose. Now, granted, it's a dangerous situation because you could get really beat up or injured. Yeah. But outside of that, yeah, sign me up because if he balls – even if he, he doesn't even have to ball out, JT, if he throws for 200 yards and no interceptions and like a touchdown, they're like, what can this guy do with actual, you know, uh, um, training at the QB yeah, position? Yeah, what can he do with time to practice? Exactly. Well, the reason I asked that question, and I'll answer the original question, was the guy, his, his name was Calabrese. He played at UCF, and he's on the staff, and they were trying to get him to play, a waiver for him to play instead of Hinton. And I was, I wanted to know, like, did Calabrese approach them to play or did they just go to him and be like, look, we got nobody left, suit up? Because if, if I'm a staff member, I'm not necessarily trying to go out there and just play quarterback, like, short notice, no practice, and just start taking hits from, like, 300-pound dudes but, that I haven't been doing that. But think about JT. I'm, I'm going to guess that he played quarterback at some point in his he, life. Maybe yes, he, he, played, he played at in, UCF in, like, oh, 2010. But the thing is, he's okay. not an active NFL player. He's a coach. And, and I understand that, but think about it. Those guys that are on the staff at some point in their lives, their their dream was to play in the NFL at least one game. He has a chance for it to come true. Why not? Again, nothing to lose. If he do throws five do you picks, approach, if you're no Calabrese, one cares. Do you approach them or, or you just wait for them to come to you? I, I think you kind of get the feel of the room. If they're really hesitant, like, what are we going to do? Hinton's not really what we want to do. Hey, you, you can then raise your hand, you know, give it like that short arm alligator. You kind crazy. Of I am, I'm, not coming out of, I'm not coming out of the coaching booth to play quarterback <laughs> NFL. But to answer your question, should they have moved this game like they did for the Ravens? If you go by the letter of what the NFL says, no, because the NFL is basically saying that they are only moving games if they deem that the spreading of COVID within the team is not contained. Ravens, Clearly, it wasn't contained because they were testing positive a day before they played you guys uh, on Wednesday. So I think what through Sunday, the Ravens had 12 players plus uh, test positive, and then they had eight additional staff members. Denver only had one. It was Jeff Driscoll. So if one player is only testing positive, I'm assuming that qualifies as contained. So by the letter of the law, they really shouldn't have moved the game. Well, I'm going to take the other side here. I disagree with you. I think that they probably should have canceled or postponed the game and figured out a rescheduled date because I'll tell you why. Two things here. One, if you're not going to move it, you need to fix your own rule then. Protocol says that to add a player or a free agent to a roster that is not currently on your team, so basically a newly acquired player, has to sit out right now based on COVID protocols, has to sit out for six days before he's allowed to join his team. So Thanksgiving to Sunday, obviously not six days. I understand the safety part of it, but if you're not going to move the game or reschedule it, then you need to, to figure out something else with that rule. Um, because why you should have moved it or rescheduled, it's the integrity of the game, JT. There's a difference between RG3 suiting up for Baltimore and you allowing the game to be played. And, Kendall and, Hinton. and then <laughs> Kendall Hinton. Because – yeah, you may say, well, you know, RG3 is no Lamar Jackson. And I get that. Lamar Jackson is an MVP. 
but RG3 is a rostered quarterback listed as the backup. If you don't have faith in him to go in there and substitute, then maybe you should have another backup. Whereas the Broncos situation, the other three guys were fine. It's the contact tracing because, of course, they're going to be in the quarterback's room with Driscoll. So, like, you're punishing them even though they ended up being negative because of contact tracing, yet you're not willing to be flexible with the other rule of the six days, but now you're, you're really affecting the integrity of the game. That's where I have an issue. NFL wants to do everything above board. Oh, look at us. But then you really kill the integrity of the, of the NFL on this game. Well, I think everyone's in agreement. The NFL has handled this poorly, and they really don't care. Execs and they, came out today, yeah, you know, basically saying like they don't give a f about what's going on. No, I will said, say that he, he said, "Sorry to cut you off there." He said they don't feel a bubble's necessary because they have the proper protocols in place, which are being followed. Not. They do, which not. are being followed. I, I don't yeah. agree with you, uh, Mr. Goodell. But go ahead. Sorry to interrupt you. No, that's okay. Basically, the Broncos got screwed because they're not a good team, and that's the only reason why they didn't get the benefit of the doubt. And the Ravens did. The Ravens broke protocol. They should have took an L regardless, but they took one anyway. But at the expense of you guys losing players. Really interesting to see how this is going to unfold because. I want to see it, what happens when somebody tests positive for COVID in a playoff game, how they handle that. And then if anybody tests positive for COVID leading up to the Super Bowl, how are they going to do that? Because what if Patrick Mahomes tests positive, you know, two days before the Super Bowl? By your rules, he can't play. Are you going to move the Super Bowl after you got all this money locked into this one day? So NFL is going to have to hope their game plan works out long term. Because I see a lot of holes, like you said, within it. That, that's a great point. I'd imagine at this point, they've got to say, hey, as soon as the championship games are over, get on a plane, get to the Super Bowl site, which is Tampa, which is Tampa, quarantine two weeks, and we're all good. All right. Hopefully that works. All right. So let's switch over to the NBA. The season is about to start. It's actually set to start December 22nd. Uh, former LeBron teammate Danny Green said that he wouldn't expect LeBron to be there for the first month of the season. As you may or may not recall, NBA players were pushing for a start date on MLK weekend in January, which we personally love because there's games all day. Uh, Don, thoughts on Green's comments about LeBron and potentially other players sitting out the first month of the season? I, I wouldn't be totally surprised, um, but I highly doubt they would sit out the entire first month. It, it would be a bad look for the league however the players could do it and get away with it because they already the, do it now well, well that's true but the thing is there's no in arena attendance right so it's not like people are gonna be like oh i bought these tickets and now lebron's yeah. not playing right like you're getting that tv revenue when the lakers are on whether lebron's playing or not as long as the game is played and shown on the television you're getting that that uh tv uh money now I've told you before, I don't mean to go too off tangent here, but I told you before that they should start sometime after the new year. Whether it's as far down the road in January as MLK weekend or not, that's a different story. But start after the new year, go into the end of July, right before the start of football camp, you could finish your finals. And then your season, you can get on a regular rotation. Your season can start at the beginning of December and end in July every year. That way, you're not competing as much with the NFL and college football. And 
that July, we always talk about July, how slow it is in sports. Guess what? You would be the main focus for a whole two months, pretty much, June and July. So I, I don't get it. And then my other recommendation, JT, is have regional bubbles. You have one in L.A., one in Houston, Indianapolis. One in New York. New York, and then Orlando. And what you can do is, you know, the Atlanta Hawks, maybe they all start in that region, right? All those regional teams start there. And then they maybe just half the teams switch bubbles, right? The bubble in New York, half the teams go to Orlando. The other half go to New York Mm -hmm. to play those teams. And then they switch. And what they could do is have family be able to maybe travel with them at certain parts, especially if they have a regional bubble to continue to go back to. You know, so when they go back, like if you're a Hawk, if you're with the Atlanta Hawks, once you're done in the New York bubble, you go back to your home bubble to play the other games, maybe against the Houston bubble. And now your family is is able to get to the bubble much easier and stay there for like three or four weeks until you go to the next bubble. My man, Don Cornelius with the master plan NBA. If you have not heard his plan. Hit him up. It's available for a couple million dollars. Um, I agree with you, but here's what scares me. Pat Bev said this best. If Braun playing, we all playing. So I'm assuming if Braun ain't playing, we all not playing either. And something else Danny Green said um, in this interview, he basically said LeBron's reasoning for sitting out the, the first month of the season is LeBron has like his process that he does before, like basically the off season leading up to every season. And he's got like his like process with what he does with his body and all the money he spends on the training and stuff like that. And LeBron basically said, there's no way my body is going to be to the point where I normally would have it before the start of a season that I would feel comfortable playing in this early start. So there's a legit chance that we already, we always talk about how much the regular season in the NBA is devalued. I don't think LeBron would care if he missed the first month because Christmas, yeah, that's when it starts, but the Lakers are going to make the playoffs anyway. So if if he's like, you know what, I'm going to sacrifice this first month to make sure I'm physically ready for the long haul, definitely see him doing that. But then you got to worry. If Bron's doing it, that kind of gives other stars the leeway to do the same thing. So it's kind of a domino effect. So it only is a, a issue and a worry if Bron does it. If not, then it's just, you know, people just talking out of the side of the next. Yeah, see, I, I disagree there before we go to the next topic, which is still, still going to be LeBron. I disagree for two reasons there, JT. And you bring up great points, but one, they had, what, three, four months off in between the bubble or the end of the regular season in the bubble. Mm-hmm. So his body got some of that rest back. And let's face it, those last eight games in the bubble – those weren't intense. So it was really just that playoff run. And I think because of the long layoff and because there was no travel involved, I think his body's going to recover quicker than a normal offseason. Now it's a, it's a little bit shorter, but I don't think he yeah, has he's that. a little bit older. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't have that wear and tear quite like the previous year. And as far as missing a whole month on a 72-game season – you're getting risky. I, I know you said the Lakers are going to make the playoffs, but I'd be concerned, especially other teams not having their stars for the first month. So, like I said, let's stick with LeBron. Reports from Wednesday 
uh, are that LeBron and the Lakers reached an agreement to a two-year contract extension worth $85 million to keep LeBron in La La Land. He is currently under contract for this upcoming season anyway at $39.2 million. So, JT, is this the last big contract or contract extension that LeBron will sign in the NBA? Honestly, I can't answer this question. And it's because LeBron is basically on that Tom Brady trajectory where we just can't grade his career by like normal standards because by normal standards, he shouldn't even be getting this contract at this, at this point in his life. But I mean, he's coming off an NBA championship. He played great as usual last year. And who's to say if they win another ring? Yeah. He's still going to be a top five, top 10 player at worst. And if you're a top 10 player in the NBA, you're going to get max money. So it's two years, which, you know, LeBron loves a short deal. He stays healthy continues his same level of play and they stay relevant yeah absolutely I don't think this is will be his last deal I think he can get another one so technically he won't be able to get another contract extension all right because there's a rule which I didn't even know about it until this topic came up there's an NBA rule which restricts long-term contracts from extending beyond a player's age 38 season so when his contract is up in the summer of 2023, he will have already turned 38. So going he will on. have to hit free agency. He will have to become an unrestricted free agent. Correct. Correct. Now, I think it depends on what you call a big contract then. Is he going to get another two years, $85 million elsewhere or another one year, $45 million? I don't think, and this is why. Now, I think it'll be north of $20 million a year, yes. But I'm going to ask you this next question because to finish my thought on this question, I need to ask the next one, all right? So basically what I'm saying is he's not going to be able to extend it right away with the Lakers. So my, I, answer, so my answer is no because Donato basically found <laughs> – a clause in the CBA that <laughs> no. says he can't do it. So I feel like that well, was a trap question. Good well, job. But, but he, like you said, he can become a free agent and, and still get a big contract. What I'm saying is it won't be 45 million a year. I think it'll still be a, a north of 20 because who wouldn't want LeBron on their team? He'll still be playing at a high level. Now, this is the other question I want to pair with it. And I'll finish my thought, but I want to ask you the question first. Anthony Davis just signed a five-year, $190 million contract. So do you think now with what occurred with these two guys that LeBron will retire as a Laker, regardless of that clause that I mentioned? Because he still could. A, that's such an interesting question because there are some things that we, we heard about LeBron prior to him coming to the Lakers as reasons why he chose that route. And they're still in play. One was obviously LA is where he wanted to be with all his business deals and stuff like that. And then there's that rumor that we all laugh at that he's holding on until his son can get in the NBA and they can play together. I'm sorry. If he wants those two things to happen, the Lakers is where he's, where he's going to stay because he just won them a championship. He made them the number one free agent destination. And they basically just signed a top three player in the league long-term. So even after LeBron is gone, they're still going to be set with AD. So I think he can do whatever he wants with the Lakers, and I think that's a lifelong partnership that they're going to have. I do think he's going to retire with them. So I don't – I can't answer – I'm not going to say yes or no whether he retires as a Laker because I think it depends on where Bronny goes. 
technically, if Bronny's not eligible till 2024 right now, but if the NBA waves the one and done, Bronny can be draft eligible 2023, which what did I just say? LeBron becomes a free agent the summer of 2023. So he'll go he, wherever Bronny he, goes. Exactly. He's got this all planned out. This guy is one of the smartest athletes I've ever seen. I mean, he you can talk about has a lot of power, too, because most athletes aren't that good enough to be like, you know what? Five years from now, I'm going to wait till my son does this, and I'm going to set it up to where we can make all these decisions. Only LeBron could do this. But, but he is smart. He is smart. But, yeah, but wasn't he the first one that kind of started the, hey, I'm going to do a two-year deal, a one-year yeah. with a player option? Like, yeah. he came up with that because of the salary cap. Like, he is a genius in that way, not only on the court, but off the court. So I think to answer the question depends where Bronny James goes. Because LeBron's going to play, even if, even if Bronny has to come out in 2024, LeBron will sign a one-year deal at the end of the, in the summer of 2023, become a free agent again in the summer of 2024. LeBron's still only 39. He'll play one year, do his last dance, have it all photographed like the last dance documentary, and then have his own documentary in 20 years after Bronny after Bronny retires. You convinced me. I think that's the move. <laughs> you just brought up the whole last dance. Oh, that's the perfect stick of the Jordan moment. I had my last dance with my son. Exactly. And he whether was the they, first round pick. Whether they win a title or not, irrelevant. That's why I think wherever Bronny's drafted, LeBron will go. I will say this though. Only Let's just throw Bronny out of it. The only way I can see LeBron leaving the Lakers, non-Bronny related, is if some other team basically throws a bunch of money at him to basically be a ticket draw. Like to me, I don't, I don't, I don't put it below Cleveland to say, you know what? Two years from now, we're not that great. He's done his thing in LA. Let's just draft Bronny so he can come here, or let's just back up the Brinks trucks for the next two years and let's just let him come here play his game the fans will show up every night just to see him play no matter how good he is I could see that happening and maybe to sweeten the deal sweeten the pot they make him co-coach or they make him coach slash player well he's already like a half owner of the Cavs right no I don't think so nope, <laughs> I'm just nope. be a conflict of interest eventually one day he I think he would want to so <laughs> let's let's stick uh with the NBA a trade went down went this past Wednesday night. The Wiz sent John Wall in a protected first-round pick to Houston for Russell Westbrook. So, JT, two questions here. I'm going to combine them. Does this trade improve the Rockets, one? And two, will it make James Harden want to stay in Houston now? Um, can I do the second one first about Harden staying in Houston? Your name's on the show first. I'm really worried to, to, to give my answer because part of me thinks that Harden still wants to get to Brooklyn and play with KD and Kyrie. So I think he is going to be relentless and try to make that happen behind the scenes. But um, it's Paul Salas, right? Uh, the coach of the Rockets this year? Yeah, I think Paul Salas Jr. Yeah. Yep. So he, I saw that he was basically saying two things. One, he was saying that he expects James Harden to be all in this year. Uh, after this trade, that could just be coach talk. And also, too, there are reports that Harden was the one that was clamoring for John Wall to get traded to Houston because he felt that he would rather play with him than Russell Westbrook. So I don't know. 
maybe they weren't getting along as much as people wanted to make it out to be. So if Westbrook was one of the main issues of why Harden wanted to leave in the first place and now he's gone, I got to imagine that that at least increases his chances of staying in Houston. So that's where I'll go with that. Now to your, your other question about does this make Houston better? Well, it depends on if John Wall can play. I haven't seen him since since he came into the league. He's been out for almost three years. So if John Wall can come back and be 80% of what he was before, I think it'll help along with some of the other pieces they got. Also, if Boogie Cousins shows some flashes of what he used to be, and then you pair that with you know some of the young talent they got on that team, maybe it makes them better. I'll tell you what, it makes them taller for sure because last year John Wall would have been their tallest player. But – it just, it just, there's just too many like wild card factors with health. And if Harden's is going to be checked in to say if this move makes them better, because he might not even be there in two months. So, correction and apologies. The new head coach of the Houston Rockets is Steven Silas. So, oh, sorry. Steven our, Silas. our apologies. Um, and you're right. Westbrook and Harden, JT, reports are we're not getting along any longer. And that's why both basically have won it out. Um, I don't think this trade improves the Rockets. They're similar players. John Wall, Russell Westbrook, similar players. And he, I mean, it, it just, it doesn't change the dynamic of the team. Like you said, like, they're still not a very tall team. In, in, no, they will be this year. Yes, but... I mean, with John Wall, I just don't – I don't see it changing the whole dynamic. They need a solid three or four in there opposite Harden, more so like a four, and a point guard that is willing to take like a back seat because he couldn't get along with CP3. He couldn't get along with Westbrook. And what makes you think – history shows us what makes you think that Wall will get along with him when he couldn't get along with Beal – and yeah. what That's makes what I was you gonna say John, John Wall ain't exactly been the friendliest right. teammate either, right? And so, what makes you think that? And then, what makes you think Harden will get along with Wall, who's very similar to CP3 and Westbrook? Well, I guess reports are he asked for him, so I'm assuming they have some sort of relationship, and one of them already knows what the deal is. Did he not ask for CP3 and Westbrook? Uh, I don't think he asked for Westbrook, I think Westbrook was just. Was, did he, he ask for him? He wanted CP3 out, and he was willing to take Westbrook in because they had Look, played James together. James Harden is bad at making relationship decisions, so we'll and, see how this goes. And so basically, to the second question, he should want out because with the current roster, granted, you bring up some good points, they can't compete in the West. And Wall, even if he is healthy, I still, doesn't, I still don't think he changes that team that much to where they can beat the Lakers or the Clippers. Well, also, too, another thing that I don't hear a lot of people talking about with the Rockets is we also don't know how they're going to look not playing in Mike D'Antoni's system. I don't know how James Harden is going to look because basically him being a stud has been attached to D'Antoni. That's that's what I know. That's what I see. I don't know with this new coach. I don't know how they're going to use him. Is he going to have the same usage rate? I mean, how much was D'Antoni's system? versus Harden being just this ridiculous all-time good player. I don't know. And we'll have to see how that affects it too. Yeah, great point. Good good point. To, great point to bring up. All right. Can we go to college football real quick? All right. All right.
All right. So December is usually the month of the Heisman Trophy presentation, but this year it will be held virtually in January, which is so awkward, except this year we're just used to it. So as we're coming to the last couple of weeks of the college football regular season, who do you think will win the Heisman and state your case for them? All right. I'm going to go and answer the question. Who do I think should win the Heisman? Not will, who should. but should. Because Vegas is saying the guy that you're going to mention. So you, you, you looking at my notes? <laughs> yep. Who do I think should win it is Devontae Smith. All right. He is the best player on the best team right now. Is that not the Heisman? That's what, the Heisman. What position does he play? It doesn't matter. He is the best player on the best team. Are you telling me Jason White should have won the Heisman over Larry Fitzgerald? No, no, no I agree with you. That's, okay. why, that's why you okay. prefaced so it position, by saying who should win the Heisman. Exactly. Exactly. Because position's irrelevant here. He's the best player on the best team. He's third in receiving yards in the country, 1,074 yards. He's third in receptions in the country, and he's tied for first in touchdown receptions with 12 TDs. The team's undefeated, and I'll tell you what. He stepped his game up when um, Waddle was Waddle lost for, for the season. He even he – even, Devontae Smith started to play even better than he was, and he was already at a Heisman level. So he's better than Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs. Devontae Smith should win – should win the Heisman yeah when you put the should in quotations it's really hard because you're basically picking a player you really like um I'm still going with Kyle Trask uh QB Florida Gators and he it's is just, he is the Vegas right now Vegas, Vegas odds, odds to win it I think he's at minus 140 which which means you have to bet 140 just to win 100 yeah I know and it's it's just because he's put up video game numbers in the first eight games what 2,800 plus yards, 34 touchdowns. Like, that's insane. 34 touchdowns in eight games to only three interceptions. Now, the thing is, we talked about this on, on the previous show, SEC defense is down this year, and you can make the same case for your guy. That's why he's balling out, and that's why Trask is also balling out. But, I mean, the numbers are the numbers. The, I mean, I feel like every time I look at a UF highlight, he's throwing the pits for five touchdowns and a half. It's ridiculous. And just to kind of put it into perspective, how special the 34 touchdowns is in eight games. Kyler Murray won the Heisman Trophy, what, two years ago? Two, three years ago? He had 42 touchdowns passing the entire season. So well, he had a lot of rushing touchdowns. Yeah, he had a rushing touchdowns. But, I mean, just to put it in perspective, 40 touchdowns in the season is pretty good. 34 through eight, like that. I don't think people are appreciating how insane that is. And that's true. But if you're going to pick a QB, I, I got to think – you, you talk about those stats. Why is Zach Wilson not compared to Trask? Because, again, Trask is in a I like floor. Zach Wilson, but you know it's because he plays at BYU. Exactly. So let's let's rename the Heisman a different sort of award. You let's, still let's, think call, that, let's call it the best SEC player. There you go. <laughs> there we because go. Because Zach Wilson's doing everything Trask is doing. They're undefe- he's actually undefeated. He's only had one game, BYU, where they've scored less than 40, JT. You talk about Nintendo game numbers. Every game they've played been 40 or more points except one, and he hasn't thrown less than two touchdowns in a game. He's thrown two or more in every game. He has 26 touchdowns in, what, nine games. I like him. Two interceptions. I like him. I think he'll be a good NFL quarterback. 
All right, so you... <laughs> I, I'm not disagreeing with your point because... You, yeah, because Vegas got my back, but I get where you're going with Exactly, that. but what I'm saying is if he wasn't wearing a Florida jersey in the SEC with those same numbers, in those same numbers, we, we would have him four or five on the list. Yeah, we'll see, but I mean, the numbers are the numbers. So let's go to everyone's favorite part of the show. Uh, NFL preview uh, this week we're going to do week 13. That's crazy we've gotten this far in the season so fast. I know. Everybody's fighting to make the fantasy playoffs right now. Are you in? I, I am in one of my leagues. All right. Wow. Okay. That's one more than I thought you would say. So uh, let's uh, go through some of the storylines or matchups that we're most looking forward to. Uh, let's go with your rundown first. So normally we do three, right, JT? That seems like... No, nah, we do, we, we the, do it as many the, as we want. That's like the unwritten rule. First one, you got to look at Browns versus Titans, playoff implications here. If Cleveland wins, a strong chance they make the playoffs. The Titans need the win, though, to stay ahead in the division. And it actually could be a playoff tiebreaker between these two teams. And it reminds me of the old AFC Central, JT. The mm-hmm. Browns versus the Oilers. Moving on, another playoff uh, game, implication game, Rams versus the Cardinals. Again, possible tiebreaker. The loser is likely out of the division race. And the game within the game, right? Jalen Ramsey versus D-Hop, or I should say D-Hop versus Jalen Ramsey. And then can Aaron Donald stay with Kyler Murray? Murray, hey, get your popcorn ready for those two individual matchups should be I, awesome. I agree with you. I think that's the game of the week to me. I, I can't wait to watch that one because yeah. it's going to be – it's like rubber meets the road. It's an important division game. Like, Kyler's a little bit banged up. I don't know. Let's see what happens. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then the last one, a real sneaky good game, all right? Washington oh, at, stole my- <laughs> at the Steelers. You let me go first. So you got the Washington defense versus the Steeler passing game. Can they be, meaning the Washington football team, be the first team to beat Pittsburgh? And then, again, the game within the game. No Bud Dupree, as we found out, towards ACL in the Wednesday afternoon game against Baltimore out for the season. So I'm interested to see how T.J. Watt now plays without him. You always talk about that. What can the dude do when the other guy on the other side is not there? Now, I like Alex Highsmith, the rookie. But, again, the game within the game, how will Washington try to stop T.J. Watt? Remember when we had our, our dude on the show, Kendall Calhoun, what did he say when they played Aaron Donald? The, they always shifted toward the side. That's the, old, that's the only guy worth double-teaming. <laughs> that, that he's, what he said. He, he's the only one worth double-teaming, but the line shifts his side every time. So is Washington going to do that, always shift toward T.J.? or put a running back in the chip, you know, chip block him, or even always line a tight end up on his side and see what Highsmith can do one-on-one on the other side. Yeah, you basically stole all the games that I really want to watch. I actually think the game with you guys against Washington is a trap game, and it's a perfect perfect place for you guys to lose your first game. You just played on Wednesday, tough divisional opponent. You came out with some lost pieces, and Washington's a good defense. I'd be if I if I were you guys, I'd be worried about Ben. Like I'd be trying to run the ball as much as I can in that game. Um, not uh, not necessarily the game, but uh, one thing I want to see is I want to see Deshaun Watson and the Texans when they take on the Colts because this will be his first game without Wolf Fuller, who was suspended six games for PEDs. 
now we know why he was able to stay healthy for the first time ever. Uh, but shout out to him because now he's going to get paid because everyone saw him ball out and he's only going to miss one game next year. But nonetheless, Deshaun Watson has no weapons now. Like, who does he throw to? Brandon Cooks? The Colts are an elite defense. So, I don't know. I just want to see the, how does Deshaun do it with, like, no Fuller, no D-Hop, no nobody. Bro, he's been doing that since he's been in the league. Though. No, hasn't he hasn't. Had, hasn't he's had, had a D-Hop. But he's hasn't had, had D-Hop a, and Will Fuller the entire time he's been here. Okay, but hasn't had a running game. And, hey, some credit's got to go to Deshaun. He didn't have a great offensive line, but guess what? He's able to find Fuller, able to, to, to go to Hopkins. Also, not great games, but I'm, I'm going to combine two games. Jaguars at the Vikings, and then uh, the Raiders are going to play the Jets. Jets are 0-11. Jags are 1-10. I think the Jags is clear. They are trying to lose on purpose. So I'm assuming they will lose to the Vikings or try their absolute hardest. I'm not so sure the Jets are tanking. I just think they're this bad. And I want to see if Adam Gase has the self-awareness or if he's petty to say, you know what? They're going to fire me anyway. Let me try and win a game so that they don't get Trevor Lawrence. And I just want to see how that happens because the Raiders, I think that's a winnable matchup for them because the defense isn't that great. And it's at home. And it's that West Coast team traveling east. I I just want to see which one of these teams is actually going to, like, win a game or lose a game. So that's going to be something I'm going to be watching out for. And then I also want to see, this is just me being a homer. I just want to see how bad the Dolphins are going to beat the Bengals with Brandon Allen, at quarterback, because we saw what the Giants did to them last week. I can only imagine what the Finns are going to do. And Fitzmagic's the quarterback now, so that should be a serious blowout. Man, so I've never been more excited for a Jaguar or a Jets game in my life. You Think about me. that, because, like, Adam Gase is the ultimate asshole. Like, excuse my language, but – does he try to win a game on purpose to screw them? Or does he just, you know what, I'm just going to do what I do and just lose the game? We'll see. We will see. Well, let's go on to weekend predictions. That's why everyone listens to the show to see how good or bad, most of the time, how bad we are at these predictions. JT, let's start with college football. Not a lot of great games, but some meaningful games. First, let's start with a noon game. Texas A&M at Auburn. Who you got? A&M. I'm going to go with the upset here. A&M's offense has not convinced me that they're ready for the big show. I think Auburn playing at home, it's a it's a trap game. I'm going to go Auburn there. Indiana at Wisconsin. Who you got? Uh, I got to go Wisconsin. As do I. Michael Penix Jr. Done. Done for the season. So we both have Wisconsin. And JT, this wasn't on the list, but a late game add-on. So I'm going to throw it in there. BYU at Coastal Carolina, two undefeated teams. I'm going to go Coastal Carolina. Well, I'm not going against my no, dudes. Oh, oh. BYU. Come Listen, on. Coastal Carolina is the real deal. But you're going BYU. Going BYU. All right, I'm going to go BYU as well. Zach Wilson. He's got it. Let's go to the NFL then. Browns at Titans. Titans. Derrick Henry's going to run wild on this defense. I don't know about running wild, but I'm going to go Titans as well. And then the big game, as you mentioned earlier, you can't wait to watch it. Game of the week. Rams at Cardinals. Rams. 
and it's only because I don't know if Kyler Murray's shoulder is healthy enough to get done what they need to do to win this game. And plus, Ramsey's going to be locking up D-Hop, so. Wow. Okay. I've got the Rams as well. So we agree on all the games except the A&M-Auburn game. All right. So, JT, let's wrap up the show. we got a few segments left. We're going to go to shout-outs. All right. Who you got a shout out from this past week? Um, I think we we have to put uh, Vandy kicker Sarah Fuller at the top of the list. Uh, definitely big shout out to her making history. She uh, was the first woman to play in a Power Five college football game, and even more shout out to her this week. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. She is now listed as the lone kicker on the Vandy depth chart. Wow! I did hear that she was going to. Uh, play again so be the kicker again I did not realize she was the the only one um, on the depth chart at this time yeah 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 definitely big congrats to her on making history um, definitely opening the game for a lot of uh, a lot of these situations uh, down the road um, can't wait to see you know how she does in a full-time role and to see you know who in the future follows her lead so big shout out to her yeah, definitely a shout out to her. I also wanted to throw a couple shout outs because we had both said we both um, figured Sarah Fuller would be at the top of our list. Also, some other shout outs. Colts punter Rigoberto Sanchez. Um, he said that surgery went well to remove a tumor. So best wishes for a speedy recovery to him, as well as a couple others here, JT, that we, we can't forget about. Jarrett Patterson, I think you had posted it on our IG, eight rushing touchdowns for the University of Buffalo. Unreal. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Like three in the first quarter. (laughs) Yep, Jarrett Patterson of Buffalo. And then the San Francisco Dons, JT. I mean, what a great name. They get a shout-out just for the name. Is that basketball team again? It is. It's the basketball team. They upset Virginia in the first major upset of the college basketball tournament. So shout out to the San Francisco Dons. What a great name. And then on a sad note, but definitely got to give a shout out, Travis Roy. Um, He had passed away a couple weeks ago, as you may recall, JT, back in 1995. um, Became paralyzed on his first shift as a college hockey player for Boston University. He passed away in late October, so a month ago. We didn't get a chance to shout him out. Um, so on a sad note, Travis Roy passed away. Just a great inspiration is what, is what I should say. Great inspiration even after, after his injury. So JT, our shout outs, but we got a couple other things. I got a surprise JT for one. you. One, that's all you get is no, one. No, 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 no. We get a couple here. We get a couple here, okay? So first one involves Snoop Dogg, all right? Now, Snoop Dogg is going to be an owner of a boxing league, co-owner technically, of a boxing league called Fight Club. Now, he did the the announcing. Great job. Of the, the I was going to say, I'm sure you heard about it. Roy Great Jones job. Snoop, Snoop Dogg should just commentate everything. Like, no matter what it is, I don't give a damn if it's the damn – breeder's cup just let him just commentate the whole thing like i don't even care like can you imagine if snoop dogg was calling the masters like that shit would be hilarious so two things are you gonna watch it and will it last 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because if he was commentating anywhere near what he was doing for the Robinson and Tyson fight, oh, absolutely. He made the Nate Robinson knockout just that much more hilarious just by his, him just being there. And the other thing I want to ask, Tyrod Taylor said that he will not sue the medical doctors who performed the injection for his painkiller prior to week two. If that was you, would you have sued? Um, that's so tough to answer. I will say this. Tyrod Taylor must be a very mature individual because I think the reason he's not doing this is he doesn't think that this mistake cost him some kind of opportunity that he won't get back. So clearly he knew at some point the job was going to go to Herbert. And I think they said, look, we'll take care of you. He's like, no problem. I'm a, I'm a team first guy. But I was very shocked when I heard that he's not going to be pressing any charges because it basically he's not guaranteed to get another starting job ever again. True. True. Um, so, see, you just that was just two, just two surprise JTs. All right. Now, hold on, hold on. We haven't done this in a while, so we got to end the show with some trivia time. These it's are, not even in the notes. You, this is BS. It doesn't matter. It's not like I give you the questions ahead of time one. anyway. No, one. we got four. We got Ow, four. four. Actually, we got five. First one, which two – this college football, which two teams – in the FBS since 1993, have had the most one-point games between each other. I'll give you a hint. You want Damn a hint? straight, Michigan, Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a hint. SEC. Um, you got five seconds. Four, three, two. Alabama and Florida. Ooh, almost got half of it. Alabama, Arkansas. Believe it or ah. not. I can't believe that. That must have been before Alabama got Nick Saban. <laughs> all right. Let's go to Thanksgiving games. All right. Some Thanksgiving NFL trivia. Who is the all-time Thanksgiving leader in passing yards? Well, shoot. The all-time leader in passing yards catching touchdowns is Calvin Johnson. So I'm assuming it's like Matthew that, Stafford. That, that was going to be Johnson. one of my questions. Yep. You got Calvin Johnson was receiving touchdowns. So it's not Matthew Stafford then? I, I got to go you, with that. No, no, you're correct. So passing yards is Matthew Stafford. You're two for two. Can you get the last one? Receiving yards, who's the all-time Thanksgiving leader? Um, Is it Michael Irvin? It's another cowboy, Jason Witten. Uh, damn. Yeah. Yeah, he's played uh, like 20 Thanksgiving games, you're right. <laughs> so, staying on Thanksgiving, Adrian Peterson scored a touchdown, a rushing touchdown this past Thanksgiving, just the last week. He's the second oldest running back to score a touchdown on Thanksgiving. Who was the oldest? I'm going to stay in the wheelhouse. Barry Sanders? No, close. Well, not really close. Marcus Allen. Oh, Marcus Allen when he was with the Chiefs. You know what? I did see that. Damn, I forgot. When he was with the Chiefs. Um, all right, two more. Sticking with Thanksgiving, and then we'll go on five, to another man. one. This is five. Antonio Gibson scored three touchdowns All right, on Thanksgiving Day last week. He is the first rookie to do so since who? To score three touchdowns. Catching receipts. Ah, nice. 1998. So we know Thanksgiving trivia you're really good at. Hey, what can I say? All right. For real, last question now. 
December 3rd. So we're recording this show on December 3rd. So everyone at home knows now it's Thursday night. But on December 3rd, 2000, JT, four running backs on the same day, different games, ran for 200 or more yards. Do you know who the four were? What's the year? 2000. Was one of them for the Miami Dolphins? No. Okay. <laughs> it is not. So 2000. Um, Terrell Davis, one of them? No, but one of them is a Denver Bronco. Oh, shoot. They got like a million. Um, who's, who's the other guy that was out there that was a Denver Bronco? They had about four of them. Whichever, running, whichever fullback went for 1,000 yards that year. Uh, Olandis Gary. <laughs> Close, you're getting closer. Uh, what's the other guys? Uh, Ruben Drones? Nope, he came much out. Who, who I'm missing? It's a different running back. Uh, Mike Anderson. Mike, Mike Anderson, that's the other guy I could think of. Do you know the other three? Mike Anderson, um, Jamal Lewis? No, good guess. Wow. Jamal Actually, Anderson? No. Uh, I was trying to think running backs, and they were good at that time. LT? Nope. Jeez. I'll give you one more guess. Yeah, who was playing running back that day? All right, so we have Mike Barry Sanders. No, nope. We have Jeez. Mike Anderson, then Curtis Martin, ah. Warwick Dunn. Oh Jesus! And Corey Dillon. Corey Dillon, Mister Third Person himself. All now, right. Now listen to this. Fred Taylor ended up on that day rushing for 181 yards as well. So quite a rushing day in the NFL on December third. 2000 or there goes bo jackson's theory about the defenses being so much better back then <laughs> well we that was we, we never do that in fantasy <laughs> that was only 2000 that was yeah, only know, but we going never back get those kind of days in fantasy where like five backs go off for 200 plus rushing yards i have them done against me i don't have them on my team but derrick henry has done it against me so anyway jt great show we covered a lot a lot of fun fun things there so to the fans and listeners out there, thank you as always to listening to us. Remember to please subscribe to us, JT and the Don, all sports podcasts. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you find all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember, if you like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And JT, if you don't like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And also, please follow us on social media, our handle, JT and the Don. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So, JT, until the next episode, see ya. Peace.